Keep him in your prayers. Keep him and Sandy in your prayers. Don't forget him each week. Um, you know, it's it, the fun part about doing this is that you get a, you appreciate what he does each week and how he does it. He does it very well. He, um, when he invited me to do this, he told me that there would be two. Um, There would be two readings, well, four readings, actually. He, he sent me an email, and he calls them Lenten readings. So this is something that the church is doing. Um, I, I imagine all the churches that are involved in Lent, this is the Lent period. We had Ash Wednesday this past week. Some of you were here for that. It was a, a very good ceremony, uh, honoring the Lord and, and getting us ready for Easter. Um, so each week... Uh, there's a Lenten reading. I'm not sure if Dennis will continue this into next week, but he asked me to preach upon the readings. Uh, he, he forwarded me four of them, uh, two Old Testament, two New Testament. And, um, and so I chose an Old Testament and a New Testament. I'm going to ask um, Jim and uh, Ernie to come up and do the reading. Uh, we'll start with Genesis 9, uh, 8 through 17. And uh, before we begin, let me just ask God to bless this moment. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love. I thank you for this congregation. Lord, without you, there is no life. So I pray, Lord, that you bring life to this moment, to this place right now, to the reading of your word. Fill us with your presence and cover us by your hand. In Jesus' name. Genesis 9, 8-17. God said to Noah, to his son Abraham, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and with your family after you, and with every living creature that is with you, birds, domestic animals, and every animal of the earth, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the earth. Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you, and every living creature that is with you, and for all future generations. I have set my bow in the sky, in the clouds, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, Though is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you, and every living creature of all flesh. Water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. Though is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all the flesh. First Peter 3.18 For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey. 
when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. All right, thank you. Okay. Well, let's start with Noah. The arrow up. Oh, okay. That's there. Thank you. All right. Just a moment. So we're going to start with Genesis 9, 8 through 17. Everybody's familiar with the story, I hope. Everybody knows Noah and the flood. If you don't, uh, take a walk into our nursery. Jim Talbot did a wonderful mural on the wall in there. I went in there this morning just to look at it before our reading and uh, just to get some inspiration, and it's a wonderful uh, painting in there. But why? Why is this a Lenten reading? Why would this be the first reading uh, of Lent for us this morning? Well, Whenever I'm studying the scripture, whenever I'm presenting Bible study in our home, uh, what I do is I, I open the word, I read it, of course, and then I see what speaks to me, what stands out in the word that, that jumps out, and what jumps out on this uh, slide here that we have up on the, on the thing. What do you see there? Well, you'll notice that there are seven references to the word covenant. What, what is a covenant? Does anybody know what a covenant is? A contract? An agreement? An unbreakable agreement? Do you ever make a covenant in your life? Yeah, when do you make covenant? Marriage is a, is a huge one. Sometimes, I think, in today's world, we don't take that covenant seriously. It's actually become kind of a, a joke in, in the popular world on television. It's becoming, it's an easily broken covenant. This covenant is not equally easily broken. It's actually, it still stands to today. Uh, how do we know it stands today? The rainbow. You, you said you knew this story? Everybody knows this story? Rainbows are wonderful. You know anything about rainbows? They're very special. They're, they only occur at certain times in certain places. They take certain events to make them visible. Take pictures of rainbows all the time. They're a part of the promise, and they should be exciting to you when you see a rainbow. That is God speaking to you and, and fulfilling his promise to you that he will never destroy the earth again with water. All right, who was Noah? Who can tell me who Noah was? Noah was the son of Lamech. He was the ninth generation after Adam. And he lived to be 950 years old. Wouldn't it be cool to meet Noah? There was a, a program on PBS years ago. Uh, 
honestly don't remember the name of it. It was hosted by a, a gentleman named Steve Allen, who was the, who actually started the Tonight Show. If you're familiar with that, uh, and and he would bring in historical characters and interview them in kind of a, a round robin sort of way. So he'd have uh, Attila the Hun with Darwin, and he'd have all these different, of course, it's actors, and and the interplay between them, you would learn a lot. It would be wonderful to have Noah walk out here and tell us about what it was like. In, in his day, uh, he must have been quite a guy. Of, the, of Noah, the Bible says in Genesis 6, 8, and 9, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God. That is huge. What stands out to you in this reading? Well, um, we've already talked about the, the word covenant here. It's repeated seven times in this passage. When God, as we've spoken before, when God repeats something, he wants you to hear it. He's very serious about it. The fact that it's repeated seven times, if you know anything about the, the number seven, it represents perfection or completion. God's promise to you as far as the flood goes, as far as the rainbow goes, is complete and full. It's perfection. He's speaking to you even today in that way. Um, then we come to the first Peter reference. And again, whenever I read this, I sit back and I look at it and I say, what, what's coming out of this? Well, to break it down just a little bit, first of all, we see that Jesus suffered for the sins once and for all, for the righteous, the righteous, that being Jesus, for the unrighteous, which is, which is us. He suffered for our sins in order to bring you to God, the just for the unjust, the deserving of, of judgment and death by the one who did not deserve it. But what I want to draw your attention to this morning is this phrase right here. In order to bring you to God, he was put to death in the flesh and made alive in the spirit. Note that the word spirit here is, is not capitalized. In the Greek, it would be the word pneuma or, or breath. When he formed Adam out of the dust of the earth, he breathed into his nostrils. Adam was made in the flesh. God lent uh, bent over him and breathed into his nostrils. Amazingly, at the time of the Passover, if you read it carefully, you'll see that Jesus breathed on all of his disciples that night. It's a very intimate moment between God and man, between Jesus and his disciples. I, I hope that you feel Jesus breathe on you this morning and as you walk with him daily. But Right now, I, I want to point out that the, the word spirit there is not the Holy Spirit. He's not breathing the Holy Spirit into you. He's making alive in Jesus his spirit. His spirit comes alive. It's an activity. When you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, everything's new. You, you become alive. You have an experience that you've never had before. Have you, have you had that experience? Can, can you witness to that? When Jesus touches a person in their sin, it, everything changes. They, they see life differently. They bounce differently. The, the colors are greener. The grass is, 
more alive, everything becomes alive. That's the type of alive in spirit that we're talking about. The spirit in Christ became alive. Quoting from Watchman uh, Nee's book, The Normal Christian Life, he says, entering the ark, Noah and those with him stepped by faith out of that old corrupt world and into a new one. It was not so much that they were personally not drowned, but they were out of the corrupt system. That is truly salvation. Noah's ark, as uh, Peter references here, is a prefiguration of, of Jesus dying on the cross and rising again for you. It's, it's a salvation story. So, so then he goes on to talk about baptism and, 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 and the prefiguration of, of now he saves you as a removal of dirt, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think that's where we come into the Lenten reading. That's why we, we pick this up as a Lent reading. Um, Paul puts it this way. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives to God, even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus becomes our ark. In essence, We get through the floodwaters through Jesus. He spares us the judgment of the flood. So how does all this relate to Lent? How do we see this? Well, originally when the church began to celebrate something called Lent, it was called, I'm not sure if I pronounce this, Quadragesima, it's Latin. And what does it mean? It basically means 40th. So, Noah was, uh, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 is a, a very, very um, pivotal number in the Bible. It's a, it's a time of testing, a time of trial, a time of renewal. That's what the number 40 stands for. When you, when you find it in the Bible, you will find it's related to, to these events. Quadra, Quadragesima, forgive me, it, it's, it's kind of a funny word. <laughs> Take a look at it. No wonder it didn't stick. You know, they had to come up with another word. <laughs> you know, we're going to celebrate. No, we're not going to celebrate that. That's just too strange a word. Um, but we, we will celebrate Lent. Lent's nice and concise. It makes sense. It's easy to say. It, uh, and and that, that Lenten period became the 40 days that led up. Dennis talked last Wednesday at Ash Wednesday that when the church went to this, it was for, for new believers. Before they were baptized, they went through a period of, of self-evaluation, of confession, if you will, of their sins, of, of getting cleaned out. And, uh, and it, it, he said at the time, Dennis that is, that it was a seven-day period. But then apparently it, their issues with the baptism came in with the celebration of Easter. So this is all pre-Easter week that the church celebrated Lent. Well, it wasn't working out apparently. So they, they extended it out the 40 days. Um, 
I grew up Catholic. Uh, many here have grown up Catholic, and you're familiar with the tradition. Uh, my dad was an elder in the Catholic Church. I, I don't think they called it elder at the time, but he was a leader in the, in the Catholic Church. And we used to say the rosary every night during Lent. Uh, and, and as a 10-year-old, that was, that was kind of tough. You know, you'd sit down, we'd kneel down in the living room. We, we had uh, candles lit, and we would say, now, it, 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 it was fine. We did well with it. It wasn't strange. Um, but Lent as a tradition for me, I was kind of happy to get away from it when I, when I became a Christian. Um, it wasn't something that attracted me to Jesus. It didn't seem to change my life. I, I'd like to think that I go through a, a period often where you know, I evaluate where I'm at with the Lord, what I'm doing, and I'm sure you do too, that you, you want God to cleanse you from unrighteousness and, and you work on it. It's a process. But uh, Lent was never strong for me. So when, when Dennis asked me to do this, it's actually ironic that, uh, that he would have me speaking on, a, on Lenten readings. But let me tell you, uh, in my work with the scriptures that we gave, the Lord opened a window for me, and, uh, and I'd like to share that with you. Um, that word, Lent, actually comes from um, German and Dutch roots. It's, it's more of common language. So what does Lent mean? Um, well, Lent means spring or lengthening of days. The word Lent actually means spring or lengthening of days. What are we going through right now? Days are getting longer. Days are getting warmer. What is spring? Spring is a season. What do you know about seasons? They come and go. Days get longer. Days get warmer. What do we do at certain times? Um, well, right now, people are getting their seed catalogs. Everybody's getting ready for their gardens. We're going to start planting pretty soon. We're, we're looking forward. The birds are coming. Has anybody noticed the birds? There's different songs out there. Who's got daffodils up? Anybody in their yards? Look for them. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a great time of the year. It's a great run-up to Easter. But do you know that Christians go through seasons? That we all, in our walk in the Lord, go through seasons. Seasons such as winter. You go through a season of spring. You go through a season of summer and fall. Winter is a time of dormancy. All life goes into dormancy. It no longer grows. It dies back. Perennials die back. Um, this is my business. I, I'm um, an assistant grounds manager, and I may be a little more sensitive to seasons than some of you, but th this, is, this is my life. It's always determined by the seasons. So right now, where we're working, because it's been such a mild winter, we're, we're prepping ball fields. We've been laying sod. We're putting seed down. We're, we're getting ready for the, the wakening up of spring. All right? But Christians also go through a winter. They go through a time where there's no growth. We go through times when we just don't seem to feel God. We're like, where is he? What's going on? 
There's a struggle there, and you think, what's wrong with me? Winter is a necessary time. It's, it's time when seeds, some seeds need to go into dormancy before they can germinate. Sometimes Christians need to go into dormancy before they can germinate. You need times of dying back. You, spring is for growth. It's for emergence. It's a time of planting and sowing. And we go through that as well. There's a time where we spread things, where we open things up. We open our house up to others. We, we, we witness to others. We share with others. We support others. It's a time of giving. Spring is a time of life. And then summer, of course, is a time that extends the growing season. And, and maturity comes in. And Christians go through that time of maturity as well. You, everyone in this room, is at a place in their growth with the Lord in one of these seasons. And you may think that because you're in winter time, that God is not favoring you or remembering you. But He is. He has not forgotten you. It's a necessary time so that He can work on areas in your life that need to be worked on and focused on. Maybe alone time is an important time for you right now. And it's not a time of... of of enjoyment, of company. You may feel that way. I think we misunderstand that in our walk. and We need to know that God has not forgotten us. Churches go through this. Churches go through periods of growth and expansion. And then things come in that, that maybe were more than the growth should be. And then the church tries to deal with that. They don't know how to deal with it. And they struggle and they begin to think something's wrong here. But nothing is wrong. It's part of the process. God always divides. You divide your perennials, God divides his perennials. He replants. He moves things. He's in his garden all the time. We are his garden. The, the early disciples, when Jesus came and spent time with them, they gathered in Jerusalem and they grew exponentially. They grew by 3,000. They grew by 5,000. And more were added to their, their group daily. The word was going out. It was producing fruit. It was bringing in more and more growth. And then the Romans came in. Then the Jews came in. Paul, who at the time was named Saul, came in. And they persecuted the church. And it was a, a very harsh persecution. And you would look at that from externally and you say, look, it's, it's failing now. The church is falling apart. But it was all part of God's plan. They were going into fall and winter seasons. And God would disperse this fellowship in Jerusalem. And they would go out to the rest of the world. And thereby, the Lord moved them out. When Debbie and I first got married, we, we took an apartment in uh, in in. Wallingford. Got married right out of college. No children. Took a third floor apartment. We lived there a, a, a good part of three to five years. No intentions of moving. And, and the landlady came up and said, guess what? You're moving. <laughs> Wasn't our idea. It was her idea. But God used it. Got us out of that third floor apartment. We were getting big. We had two children. It was getting tight up there. 
We were more noisy than we ought to have been. There were many things going on. It was time to leave. Ended up in Meriden at a first floor apartment. Lovely place. A garden. Much better. And then that time came. The landlady came in. Said, it's time for you to go. Okay, where are we going, Lord? And we built the home that we live in now. The Lord acts in your life in ways that causes you to grow. Because you know what? On our own, we really wouldn't grow. We would grow inward, not outward. All right, that wasn't part of my talk. I don't know where it came from, but there you have it. All right. Uh, as I worked with this, uh, I began to see this, this seasonal thing. I began to see that Lent is a seasonal thing. Um, the, the, the early Jews in their celebrations, they had festivals. I have a book, I didn't bring it with me, called The Festivals of Israel. I picked it up almost as an afterthought. But it's a, it's a wonderful book. And it talks about all the festivals. They were all seasonally related. Of course, the Passover. And, and there was something called the, um, the feast. I looked it up this morning because I began to get interested in this just this morning. It was called the Feast of the Unleavened Bread. And it was a time, it comes from Leviticus, where we read, on the 15th day of the same month, there is a feast of the unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. What is unleavened bread? Matzah. Why is it unleavened? Why do we call it unleavened? For, for the non-bakers in the group. No yeast. It's no yeast. Yeast biblically represents sin. So then uh, in Exodus 12, 15, we read, Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, but on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. So that was symbolic. Get the sin out of your life. Go through. Clean it up. And this was after Passover. Passover was a, a spring uh, celebration, a spring feast celebrating our, our redemption from, from Egypt. We're now on the road to the promised land. It, it, it's the same for us. We, we get saved, and now we're on the road. So now get that leavening out of your lives. This is what Lent is. It's a springtime celebration. Um, Paul, writing in Corinthians, says, your boasting is not God. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Clean out the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. Isn't that cool? You're all going to be new lumps. <laughs> I'm excited about that. Nothing better than being a new lump. Just as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover has, been has been also been sacrificed. Let us, therefore, celebrate the feast, not with old leaven, nor with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Let then symbolically transitions our walk in Christ from our winter into our spring, a time of growth, a time of renewal. All right, Jesus put it this way. He said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He was speaking of his own death and resurrection. This is, uh, this is when 
Philip came to him and said, there's Greeks here who want to talk to you. We think we can make something of you. The Greeks are coming. They've heard about you. They're excited. They, they want to take you, and they're going to make you the leader of the whole world. And he would not go talk to them because this was a distraction to his mission. His mission was what? It was to go to the cross. It was to die on the cross for you, your sins and mine. And the Greeks came. They got wind of what he was doing. They saw that he was the Messiah, and they were ready to make him the leader. And he wouldn't even turn to them. He, he gave them this answer. He says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone, but it does not bear much fruit. I pulled this uh, slide off the internet. It's a barley seed. I didn't find a wheat seed. Um, I'm ashamed to say that barley is made in, in, in beer. Or it's, made, it's grown and, and put in beer. But, um, you know, there are worse things. Um, a seed basically has three components. It has um, a seed coat. It has a storage area called the endosperm. That's the, the energy reserve that that seed needs to grow. And it has a dormant embryo. And there's three names for that there. The, all the parts of the new plant that will grow. Okay. Um, I got excited when I, I went down this road. A man, well, yeah, why is that? I, I, you know, this is where I live. I live in, in seed beds and flower beds. And uh, right now I work at Joe Rosemary Hall. And we're prepping our ball field. I was telling earlier that uh, we, we picked up three loaves of sod this past three weeks. We are sodding in February. It's unheard of. It's wonderful. It's, it's great stuff. Much better than shoveling white snow. For you snowboarders out there, I apologize. I, I love snow, but I had a lot of it last year, and I'm ready for some spring. Um, man is like a seed. We are also made up of three parts, and I think that's where Jesus was coming from when he said a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies. Um, the spirit is like the dormant embryo. The soul is like the storage area. And a body is like the seed coat for our flesh. The flesh does not seek its own, seek things of the spirit. It seeks to remain a seed self-contained and self-sufficient. What will keep that seed a seed? What will prevent that seed from becoming a plant? Yeah, doesn't get it. That's the, that's the technical term. We'll go lightly and just say the seed coat. If that seed coat remains a seed coat, it, everything, all the potential inside that seed doesn't come out. Okay, what causes the seed coat to rupture and break and allow the plant to grow? Water, sunlight, you need air, temperature, and water. So if the temperature remains, if you get water and the temperature remains cold, no growth. If you get warmth and there's no water, no growth. If you get, um, is that it? I think that's it. That's enough. Um, but the beauty of it is that seed will remain a seed until those things act on it. Right? In your life, you remained a seed until Jesus acted on you. He came in 
and acted on you. And what he did was he enlivened your spirit inside of you so that you want to burst out of your seed coat. And I think that's what Lent is all about. That's really where I'm coming from. Um, how did seeds germinate? Action of uh, weathering, water, warmth, cold, working together to break down the seed coat, release the life of the seed. This is growth. The seed dies to being a seed and lives to what it was supposed to be created for. And that's what God's doing on you right now. He's putting you through seasons. He's, he's causing you to die and to live again for him, what you were created for. So you are dead to sin, alive to Christ, dead to the world, alive to the Spirit. Lent, then, is the opportunity for God to work on your seed coat, your flesh, your selfishness to break old bonds and create you new. Before the covenant God spoke to Noah, which we read earlier in chapter 9, we read these last two verses in chapter 8. And it says, And Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean four-footed animal and of every clean fowl or bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the pleasing odor, a scent of satisfaction to his heart, the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the imagination, the strong desire of man's heart is evil and wicked from his youth. Neither will I ever again smite and destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. The promise here, now this occurs right after Noah and his family exit the ark. The ark is settled on Mount Ararat. We know where it is now. We can all go there. And, uh, and he comes out, and he sacrifices to the Lord. And it's, and, and it's a wonderful sacrifice. It's the right thing to do. And God sees it, and he's pleased. And then he makes this promise. Basically, it's a promise that the seasons will continue as they always will. You know, the flood was truly a climate change event. Before this, it's theorized that there was a blanket around the earth, that there was this, this cloud that prevented seasons, basically. There were no seasons prior to that. And then the flood came. He opened up the gates, which came from below, and he, and he caused the rain to fall, and he flooded the earth, and it changed the earth globally. I'm sure animals um, went extinct at some point. Some think the dinosaurs went at that point. Some don't. It's fun reading if you want to get into it. It's not really what I want to talk about. But basically, it's a promise that the seed time and harvest would continue, that normal life would be restored to mankind. It was completely interrupted. But the Lord gave me the seed verse before he gave me this verse. And when I turned and opened up this verse, I said, oh, Lord, thank you. Because the seasons came to me before I read verse 22. I went, oh, I get it. I see it. As much as that's a promise to restore normal life to us, 
It's also a promise that he will continue to work on you and I until we are at that place where he can bring us through the next event. What's, he said he would never destroy the earth by flood. So how, how will things change the next time? Do you know? Fire. Fire. And it says, um, oh, I wrote it down. Um, he says, he promises us to preserve us through that. The first Thessalonians, the first Thessalonians quote uh, by, by Paul. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, uh, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. May your spirit, soul, and body, three parts of your seed, be preserved complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, that idea of being preserved is an ark idea. Noah and the ark were preserved through the flood. The flood came as a judgment on the earth at that time. It judged everything, the animals and the people who were living. The people were wicked in God's sight. The next time we go through it, it won't be a flood. He promises us that. He gives us the rainbows as proof. But the next time we go through it, it'll be fire. And Paul writing and says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit, soul, and body be preserved complete. Sounds a lot like the ark, doesn't it? All the things of the flesh will be burned up the next time around. The only things that will be preserved will be what is built up by the spirit. So as you're delivered through this wintering, spring, summer, fall process, and he's forming in you Jesus Christ, that's what gets preserved through the fire. What's, what will be burned up will be all stubble and hay, worthless to the kingdom. Because don't forget, he's getting us ready for the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand. You know, you want to be a good kingdom citizen, you don't want to go in there with the old dirt. You want to get washed up, get rid of the leaven, clean it out. So that's what Lent is all about. And that's what the Lord gave me to share with you this morning concerning Lent. And I hope it's a blessing to you. I hope it touches you at some place. I'd love to hear from you if it does. Um, then I know that the Lord's got me in the right place. But uh, again, I, it's a pleasure to be here this morning just to fill in for Dennis, give him a weekend off. And uh, in the process, I hope this speaks to you in some way. I hope that in preparation for Easter, you see Lent perhaps in a little bit different way. Lent is an opportunity for God to work on your seed coat. Let him work on it. It's a good thing. We tend to moan and groan when we go through bad times, when we get kicked out of apartments, when the Lord brings persecution against us. But Paul tells us that's for our good, it's for our growth, to break that seed coat up. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this. Let's just ask the Lord to bless this moment right now. We thank you for it. Bless the fellowship that's here. And Lord, I pray that you bless the reading and the sharing of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, go in peace. Thank you.